0: Um, as the Lord leads you may hear that one again at the end of the service I wish we were good enough to say that we coordinated uh, the sermon and what was sung but uh, Mr. Pearson will tell you sometimes the Holy Spirit's a better service planner uh, than we could ever try to be and so um, sorry If you have your Bibles, turned to Luke 11. That's a rough start. I apologize about that. I'm not promising it's going to be the last time either. But uh, Luke 11, uh, my second favorite prayer passage is where we're going to be today. I um, already preached on my first favorite, uh, Philippians 4, uh, a couple of months ago. And so Luke 11, we're going to stay in our prayer series. Um, for me, that uh, staying in a series kind of helps me. And so um, my, my dad, when he told me he was going out of town... He said, I know we got Soul Winning launch coming up, and I know we've got this, and I know we've got that. And he said, but I've, I don't have a guest speaker. So he said, you're up. And I was, All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll find something. There's something in there for us. And so I said, well, can I at least stay in the same series and the same stuff? He said, like, absolutely. And so we're going to actually finish the book of Acts tonight for... I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to... But we're going to uh, stay in Let Us Pray that we started last week. Um, this is not really coinciding with our prayer journals that we're going through. I bet you I'm not on. That's my fault. I was walking away, and I could tell that I wasn't. Um, but we are going to stay in our Acts series tonight and then also stay in our series that we started last Sunday entitled Let Us Pray. And so Luke chapter number 11, here in just a moment, we'll stand and we'll read these, passage, these verses. We'll read down through verse number 13. But when we think about prayer and when we think about really seeing prayers answered and how God uses prayer in our lives, I think that sometimes what we've failed to realize is that prayer is, the goal of prayer is not just to have your prayers answered. The goal of prayer is God. The goal of prayer is that we would grow. And one of the things that I've really said and have written in my Bible since I was in college is that prayer doesn't always change the circumstance, but prayer always changes me. And sometimes we have this kind of skewed view of prayer to where, well, I just pray because it gets tough off my plate. I pray so that God can take care of it. I pray because it's what I'm supposed to do. But in the passage that we're about to read, we have an interesting request where one of the disciples says, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And sometimes we don't look at prayer as something we learn, we look at it as something that we do. And today, I simply want us to kind of, in week number two of this this series, is I want us to learn to pray. Now, before you get kind of sideways about that, you're not going to learn to pray from me. In fact, this sermon I am preaching to myself. Because I want to learn to pray. And one of the things that I have learned as I look at Luke 11, and I've made this statement in our class, I've made it to maybe a few of you individually, is that if prayer can be taught, then prayer can be learned. If prayer can be taught, then prayer can be learned. Can you say that with me? If prayer can be taught, then prayer can be learned. And here's why I say that is because in Luke 11, when Jesus is asked, Lord, teach us to pray, he doesn't say, huh, sorry, you either got it or you don't. He doesn't say, well, this is a natural gift. You're either a prayer warrior, you're a mighty man of prayer, you're a mighty woman of prayer, or you're not. When he's asked, Lord, teach us to pray, he says, okay, let's do it. If prayer can be taught, then prayer can be learned. And my goal today is simply that as a church family, we would step back and we would not just do prayer. We would not just have prayer. We would not just make prayer, but that we would learn prayer. That we would learn the heart of God for prayer that when we enter into our prayer closet and that when we enter into our moments of prayer as a church family, that it wouldn't be a time to where, well, this is just what's next in the service. This is just what I'm supposed to do for the day. That it would actually be something that changes us, that changes who we are and gives us an opportunity to see those around us changed. And so Luke chapter number 11 Verse 1 is where we're going to begin, all the way down through verse number 13. Let's read uh, together. If you would, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. We try to do this often, and so I know 13 verses might seem a little long. I won't make you do it tonight as we read all through Acts 15. And so uh, Luke 11, verse 1, Bible says this, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord teach us to pray. Can you say that phrase out loud with me? Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, and he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine and his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. We really like those verses, don't we? But let's keep reading. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, for it, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse number 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Amen. How much more shall God give? His Holy Spirit would you read verse number 13 out loud together with me ready begin if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him I'm going to ask you to do something as we go to the Lord in prayer before the sermon I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer right there in your seat and it's this prayer Lord teach me to pray Lord, teach me to pray. Not, Lord, answer my request. Not, Lord, give me what I want. Not, Lord, fix this. No, Lord, teach me to pray. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes in just a second, the title of the sermon is, Lord, teach us to pray right out of Scripture. But if you wanted to give it a subtitle, it would be the prayer that starts all prayers. The prayer that starts all prayers. Because here's what I firmly believe. Until we learn to pray, we're not going to see God answer the prayers that we're already praying. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to utter those words there in your seat to yourself. Lord, teach me to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You once again for Your Word Lord, we thank You for the lesson that You give us here in this passage. Lord, I ask that You would help me to communicate what You have laid on my heart. Lord, that You would help me to clearly speak Your Word. And Lord, most of all, I ask that You would help those in this room to learn to pray. Prayer is not natural. Prayer is not a gift. And Lord, if you can teach prayer, then we can learn it. And what a worthy education we would have if we all as Christians learned to pray. Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit, give me the words to say, help me not say anything that you would not have me to say in your name we pray. Amen. In 1885, a novel written by Anne Isabella Thackeray Ritchie, introduced the world to a quote and a principle that has survived even to today. I quote from her book, she said, he certainly doesn't practice his precepts, but I suppose the patron meant that if you give a man a fish, he is hungry again in an hour. If you teach him to catch a fish, you do him a good turn. We understand that that phrase has continued to grow and become a little bit more succinct and maybe a little bit more practical to the point to where if I say give a man a fish and you feed him for a Day, teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Give a man a fish for, and you, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Since 1885, there's obviously been many people who have quoted that. It's even been uh, given credit to multiple other people. Well, what I want you to see is the spiritual implications of that. Before we turn this into a capitalism versus socialism uh, sermon, I want us to look at the spiritual context. You see, while we throw stones at maybe the people who are simply content in their life to be given a fish to survive the day, and our maybe political view or maybe our standards or the way that we would raise would say, oh, you need to learn to fish. Because if you learn to fish, then you can have enough money to buy a boat. You can feed yourself for a lifetime. You can start a business. You can start a fishing business. You can probably even combine a little bit of business and pleasure if you would just learn to fish. The same is true with prayer. Answer a man's request, and he's satisfied for a day. Teach a man to pray, and he's satisfied for a lifetime. Answer a man's request and he's satisfied for a day. Teach a man to pray and he's satisfied for a lifetime. And here's what I step back and in maybe my young eyes, here's what I see is that the church has almost been put under a burden to supplement the lack of prayer in the life of the Christian. I want to say that again because I know how I listen and sometimes that just shoots right over our heads, okay? The church has been per- put under the burden to supplement the lack of prayer in the life of the Christian. Oh, I wish that church down there would make my kids obey. I wish that church would help my marriage. I wish that church would do this. I wish that church would teach me that. I wish that church would give me food. I wish that church would do this. I wish that church would have that. I wish they would talk about this. I wish they would talk about that. I sure wish that preacher would say this. I wish he would, I wish he'd help my spouse. I wish he'd help my husband. I wish he'd fix my kids. And here's what we have missed in the Christian life. It was never the church's responsibility to do those things. The church was founded as an establishment to push the Great Commission forward. And as we'll talk about tonight, the reason the Great Commission is not moving forward is not because it doesn't work, it's because we can't work it because we can't fix ourselves. And so rather than having a life of prayer that solves our marriage, rather than having a life of prayer that helps our children, rather than than having a life of prayer that helps us experience victory, we choose to say, well, whenever they talk about it at church, then I'll get it fixed. And all we're doing is we're saying church give me a fish for a day. Fix this problem right now. And for many of us the result of that has been because we never learned to pray. And if prayer can be taught, then prayer can be learned. And today in Luke chapter number 11 here's what you'll see is you'll see Jesus Christ step behind the lectern, open the textbook and teach us to pray and through four lessons. First of all, notice this. The heart of prayer. The heart of prayer. Look at verse number one. He says, and it, came to, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying, referring to Jesus, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Throughout scriptures, the disciples really show their carnality a lot, don't they? And many times, 2,000 years later, we're really good at pointing it out like we would have done any better. We're always really quick to to talk about Peter chopping somebody's ear off, okay? About him cursing three times before the cock crude. 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 Okay? (laughs) Bad grammar. We're learning to pray. We're not learning English, okay? (laughs) But sometimes we're good at pointing that out. But in Luke 11, they actually get it right. Can you imagine what it was like? And I don't don't know the scenario. I don't know the scene. But can you imagine what it was like to hear Jesus Christ pray? I really can't even comprehend that. I would like to think that if I was in their shoes, that if I would have sat there and heard my Savior pray, that I would have said, Lord, you've got to teach us. Lord, we we want that. And so they get it right and they ask the question, Lord, teach us to pray. This is one of the few times where you will find that Jesus Christ kind of steps out of his realm, steps out of his mission, and he sits down and he says, all right, you asked the question, and so let's talk about it. I wonder when was the last time we prayed a prayer like that? Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to trust. Lord, help me understand. For most Christians, our prayer list looks more like a wish list rather than a God work in me list. How many of you, maybe if you've got kids, you've ever tried to teach your kids something that you know is too hard for them, okay? I'm a dad now, I'm kind of, you've tried to teach your kids something that is too hard for them. Here a couple months ago, my wife, um, we, were, we have a big patio and kind of canopy on the back of our house that was there when we bought it. And so we were having a birthday party and so she said, oh, it'd be nice to have a big farmhouse table. And so I was working to build a farmhouse table. And I remember that as I was unloading some of the the lumber, both of my kids came running out and oh, what are we building? What are we building? We wanna help, we wanna help. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking no, right? <laughs> like this is, this is the time where we need it to be efficient, we need it to be quick, like we got birthday parties coming up and so everything's gotta look like it came right off of Pinterest, we gotta hide everything, like. And so I'm working and I tried to give them, you know, the typical dad excuses like, oh, this is hard, like, like it, it, you could get hurt. Like, Have you ever seen what someone looks like after their fingers got chopped off by a saw? Like you kinda try to talk them out of it, okay? All of you dads have been there like, oh no, right? And so I was giving them all the excuses, and long story short, both of them were like, yeah, yeah, we want to stay, we want to help. Baylor, our four-year-old, lasted about three minutes, okay? And in those three minutes, she lost probably 20 screws. But Braxton, on the other hand, he just kind of stuck around. He watched me measure, he watched me make the cuts. He watched me put the legs together. He watched me put the skirt around the table. And by the time we got to the tabletop, I would go and I would make a cut. And I would, before I left, I would go and I would pull the tape measure out and I would say, all right, make your marks for the screw holes. And so he was making marks on sixes. He had memorized six, 12, 18, 24. And he would, he would go down and he would make all my marks. And so my screw holes were marked for me. What made Braxton different in that moment and actually learn something than Baylor? He was willing to stay a little longer. And sometimes the reason why we don't learn to pray is because we're better at solving our problems than God. We just don't stay long enough. The disciples in verse number one had every option to just say, All right, Lord. Great prayer. Let's move on. We got miracles to do. We've got people to meet. We've got things that need to be done. We've got this kingdom thing that we've got to get ready for. Let's keep a move on. But they chose to say, No, let's stop. Let's ask, Lord, teach us to pray. I'm not sure what the context is or how much time was in between, but I want you to look just a few verses up. I think that the Lord was trying to reinforce something. Look at chapter number 10, verse number 38. It says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had her sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What would your prayer life look like if you just stayed? What would change in you if you chose the good part? One of the things you hear so often as in Christians uh, when you talk about prayer is, well, I don't have time to pray. Let me rephrase that for you. Lord, I'm so busy and I'm so burdened with all of these things that you've given me in my life, and I'm so worried about this, and I'm so stressed about this, and I'm so, so hurt about this, and I have so much pain in this area that I don't have time to pray. That's like a math student saying, I'm spending so much time on my homework that I can't go to math tutoring. If you went to math tutoring, you wouldn't get to spend as much time on your math homework. And if you looked at the problems in your life and took them to God in prayer, could it be that you would get that time back? Could it be that rather than saying you don't have the time to pray, that we could rephrase that and rework it and say you don't have the time not to pray? Well, I've got this problem. I've got that problem. Maybe we should start by taking it to the Lord in prayer. First of all, you'll notice the heart of prayer. But then you'll notice that the second lesson that he shows us here is not just the heart of prayer, but the content of prayer. The content of prayer. Most people, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, we don't really realize that it was in response to Jesus being asked, Lord, teach us to pray. We just assume that that's one of those things that we say, Our Heavenly Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But it was actually in response to Jesus being asked, Lord, how do we pray? And the Lord's Prayer isn't there for you to have something to say verbatim to God as much as it is a template for how you talk with God. So I want you to notice just a couple of things out of the content of prayer. First of all, you'll notice that it begins with praise. It begins with praise. He says, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. One of the things that Jesus teaches us here is he teaches us to look to God. He says, our Father, he recognizes his position. He says, which art in heaven, he recognizes where he's at. A God who does not reside in heaven cannot fix the problems that we have on earth. Our Father, which art in heaven... That was personal to Jesus. He recognized his position. He says, Hallowed be thy name. The word Hallowed there is your Greek word for holy, sanctified, set apart. He's not saying, God, make sure that your name is holy. He says, God, help us recognize just how holy you are. Man, what a prayer for today's society. That we would step back and we would say, Our Father, that's who you are. Our, which art in heaven, that's where you are. Hallowed be thy name. That's what we want to see from you. And too many times we rush into the throne room of God, failing to give God praise and only telling Him what we need from Him rather than what He wants us to see of Him. God, I need this. I need that. I need this. Prayer is not a business transaction. Prayer is praise. And if you can't (laughs) praise God for who he is and for what he's done, I very seriously doubt that you're going to see God do something in your heart and in your life through prayer. So praise is the first thing that you'll notice. But then not only that, there's not only praise, but there's also petition. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, as so in earth. I want you to notice this is not a petition for my way. This is not a petition for God to give me what I want. This is not a petition and asking for me to get everything that I want out of God as much as it is for God to get everything He wants out of me. He says, not my will, but thine be done. And how much of our prayer life is us telling God what we want Him to do rather than stepping back and saying, God, today I'm surrendering myself for you to do what you want to do. Thy will be done. Just so you know, you're in good company when you ask the Lord's will to not be done. Jesus did it. What was the prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And where most Christians fail in this matter is it's okay to ask for something not to be God's will. But it's not okay to not be okay with God's will. It's okay to ask for something not to be God's will, but it's not okay to not be okay with God's will. If God is as good as He says He is, why can't we trust Him with what He does in our lives? So, first of all, praise. Secondly, petition. And I've got to hurry through these not only uh, praise and petition but thirdly is providence. He, said, he says, give us day by day our daily bread. What if we stopped asking God for what we want and started asking Him for what we need? How many of you, be honest, have you ever prayed and said, God, just to be completely honest, it wouldn't hurt to get a million dollars right now. You ever prayed that? Okay, like just fingers crossed, if He answers it, I'm going to be okay with it. And most of the time, we take God our wants and not our needs. What does the Bible say? Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, My grace is sufficient for thee. You want a prayer that will change your life? Stop asking God for what you want and start asking Him for what you need. God, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know what I need today. Lord, I need food. I need providence. I need you to work in my life. I need your help. I need your wisdom. A prayer of providence. But then notice, fourthly, it's a prayer of peace. A prayer of peace. He says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Because of Jesus Christ, if you have accepted his gift of salvation, your sins have already been forgiven. This is not a prayer of pardon or forgiveness, but it is one of peace. Here's why I say that. In Romans chapter number 12, Paul writes this. He says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fires on his head. Be not overcome evil. But overcome evil with good. When was the last time that the peace that you have received from God flowed through you to someone else? When was the last time that the forgiveness that you've received at the hands of Jesus Christ through His blood flowed into your children? When was the last time that the forgiveness that you have been shown from God Almighty flowed through you to your spouse? It's way easier to hold a grudge than it is to forgive. And if we want God to send revival to our church and to our country, then guess what? It starts by us exhibiting the same forgiveness that has been shown to us. And people are crazy and that's hard. But sadly, the reason why most co-workers of Christians don't know that there's anything different between them is because they see the exact same forgiveness or lack of forgiveness and lack of peace that is in their life. So a prayer of peace, and then lastly is a prayer of protection. He says this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Can I ask you a quick question before we move on to number three? For some of us, we feel as though physical harm is the greatest hurt that can be done to us. And so what do most of our prayers sound like? Lord, keep them safe. Lord, help them with their health. It's not the prayer that Jesus prayed. He said, and lead us not into temptation. What would our churches look like if we prayed as much for our spiritual protection as we did our physical protection? What would our families look like if we prayed as much for our sexual and mental protection as we did our our physical protection? What if not just praying a physical hedge of protection about our kids, but praying a mental hedge of protection about our kids, praying an emotional hedge of protection about our kids, saying, God, I know that they can get hurt in this world. God, I know they can fall off of a swing set. But today, more than anything that Braxton and Baylor and Blakely Norris need, they need physical protection, but they need a spiritual protection. God, help them to know that you're real in their life. God, help them to see you for who you are. Daddy's not their savior. Help them to see Jesus Christ. Help them to be safe mentally help them to be safe emotionally help them to be pure help them to not see something on a device or with a friend lord protect them and sadly for many of us oh we're safe we're happy we're healthy but we struggle with sin we struggle spiritually our minds are a wreck our emotions are a wreck we're stressed we're tired we're overwhelmed and because we have physical protection we assume that translates to spiritual protection and it doesn't jesus didn't say give yourself a nice big cushy bubble Jesus didn't say, protect them, help them to wear their bike helmet. Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. And you want to know why the church has lost its power? You want to know why the church isn't effective? You want to know why our country is a mess? It's because we are are susceptible to the same spiritual failures as anyone else in this world. Oh yeah, we might have survived some sort of little scare... We might be healthy, we might not have hurt, we might not have pain, but we're spiritually a wreck because we have not prayed a hedge of protection about our spiritual lives, about our mental lives, about our emotional lives. And then lastly, or number three is this. He doesn't only show us the heart to pray, He doesn't just show us the content or what to pray, but He shows us the attitude of prayer. He says this, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. In verse number 5, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And then verse number 8, he closes the parable. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity. That word importunity is his consistency. He will rise and give him. And give him as many as he needeth. To save some time, I just want to ask you a very simple question. If a prayer, if an answer to prayer was dependent upon you asking God for it every day, would you see your prayers answered? When you look at that parable, that's not as much of a parable that teaches us something about God as much as it's something that teaches us about ourselves. Hey friend, I need some bread. Sorry, already in bed. Can't do it. I I don't think you understand. I I need some. Sorry, I said I couldn't do it. To the point to where the man finally said he's going to give him what he needs, not because he's his friend, but because of his importunity. Wouldn't it be amazing to see God answer prayers not even because of who he was, but because of how consistent you were with your prayer life? But for most of us, here's what we do. Hey God, I really could use a little bit. Oh, actually, never mind. Got it figured out. Thank you, Lord. And so we continue to go through life content to solve our own problems rather than to see God solve them through prayer. And then the last thing is this, and where we'll spend the rest of our time. Christ not only teaches us the attitude of prayer, but He also shows us the goal of prayer. If you can, just stick with me through this final thought. We read verses like 9 and 10 and 11 and 12, and we really like those. And so what do we do? We derive this kind of strange thought process on prayer. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. For whosoever asketh, whoever knocketh, the door is opened unto him. God, I'm asking. Just needing you to give it. But verse number 13, Scripture has a way of sometimes messing up our thoughts, doesn't it? Look at verse number 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? The goal of prayer isn't gain. The goal of prayer is God. The goal of prayer isn't to get you whatever you want. The goal of prayer is to get you the God that you need. You want to know why most people quit praying? Is because they quit getting what they want. Because somehow we've convinced ourselves that God isn't actually an answer to our prayer. That somehow God isn't good enough. that if we would have gotten what we wanted, it would have been much better than the God that we needed. I remember in 2016, our daughter had some procedures and she ended up having to spend a couple nights in the hospital. And one of the most horrifying events of my life was the rooms were full, the emergency room was full. We were up in Nashville. It was actually the Saturday before our spirit of Christmas Sunday and so we were up there we didn't even have a place to sit my wife and i and baylor sat over in the corner on the floor by the vending machine i watched my wife cry and pray i remember we finally got to go back because of uh, her age And when we got back there one of the things they said is we're going to need to get fluids in her quickly she's dehydrated you can tell that she's starting to lose colors and all these things And so there were some interns that were working that night, and everyone else was busy, and so they tried four times unsuccessfully to put an IV in her both arms. Ended up trying in her feet. And every single time, the poking and the prodding just would overwhelm her to the point to where she was crying, but nothing was even coming out. And finally, the fifth time, they got it to take. And as I studied for this message, I was reminded of that. Because here's what I saw in that moment. Is I saw every time that my little girl cried, that her mommy would pick her up, or her daddy would pick her up, and our presence is what helped her. It didn't take the pain away, but we were enough. Enough. We were what she needed. Oh yeah, we could have prayed a thousand times, Lord, help her, it, help it not to happen. help her not to get sad, help her not to get hurt, help her to help the pain to go away. But it didn't. And the only consolation was that Dad and Mom were there to hold her. And you want to know the way that most Christians' life work, prayer life work? Lord, take this away. Lord, heal the hurt. Lord, heal the pain. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I need you. I need you. I need you. And God slides over and puts his arm around us and he says, Okay, I'm here. And many Christians say, No, 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 no. I didn't want you. I wanted my health back. I wanted this hurt to go away. I wanted this problem to go away. And God slides over again and puts His arm around us. He says, I've given you a Holy Spirit that's a comforter. And we play this back and forth game with God to where sometimes I wonder if I were Him if I just wouldn't throw my hands up and say, what's the use? If you don't want me, then what do you want? And if we're going to learn to pray... It's going to take a heart to pray. It's going to take us praying the way that God wants us to pray. It's not always about what you say, it's about how you say it. It's going to take the attitude of prayer. But it's going to take us understanding that the goal of prayer is not to get what we want, but to get the God that we need. And it could very well be that as we of a church family have prayed and asked God for revival for what seems like forever, that God in His infinite wisdom is saying, I'm giving you me. Am I not enough? God, fix my marriage. Or what if we started to say, God, be with me in the midst of my marriage. God, fix my children. No, God, be with me in the midst of helping my children. Help me to sense your presence in the song that you just heard, like I said, that we could have never orchestrated to save our lives. Said that even if you don't, my hope is you alone. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask the trio, if they would, to come back. As you're bowing your heads and closing your eyes, I want to read a poem that I actually ran across this week by A.B. Simpson. It's called Himself. He talks about prayer and how he got God. He said, once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it is the feeling, now it is His Word. Once His gifts I wanted, now the giver own. Once I sought for healing, now Himself alone. Once t'was painful trying, now tis perfect trust. Once a half salvation, now the uttermost. Once was ceaseless holding, now he holds me fast. Once t'was con- constant drifting, now my anchors cast. Once I hoped in Jesus, now I know he's mine. Once my lamps were dying, now they brightly shine. Once for death I waited, now his coming hail. And my hopes are anchored safe within the veil would you stand with me as the piano begins to play and here's what i'm going to ask you to do i want to ask you to find a spot around this altar if you can find a spot there in your seat if you feel uncomfortable coming to the altar but i think that it would be good if a bunch of us gathered around and we prayed that prayer lord teach me to pray pray Lord, I'm not coming to you to help you, ask you to fix my problems. I'm not coming to you to ask you to fix me. I'm not coming to you because I need anything. I'm coming to you because I need you. And as the trio sings, let's take a moment as a church family. Let's just learn to pray. Let's just learn to talk to God. When you choose to leave mountains unmovable Oh give me the strength to be able to sing it is well. The sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. Here's what I want to do if you're here today and you say, I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian, the first prayer of understanding prayer, of learning to pray is, dear Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want me to accept you as my savior. But I want to be a Christian. If you're here today and you have questions about that. You say, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. There's someone at the end of each aisle that would be happy to help you. We actually have something that we've started putting together to where if you're here and you want to know for sure that you're on your way to heaven, we want to give you your first Bible. We've got a little book that would be that we would love to give you. The most important decision that you can walk out of here knowing is that you're on your way to heaven because here's what that does. Hebrews teaches us that that opens the doors, that gives us access to our heavenly Father. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you may now enter boldly into the throne room of grace is what scripture says. For us as Christians, the rest of us, then, isn't now more than ever the time to where we need to say, Lord, teach me to pray.